unlocking what was cool. Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. So anyways, Mike, tomorrow is December 1st, but it's still not socially acceptable to play Christmas music until December 23rd. Legally, you should not be playing Christmas music right now, but we're live, Neil. We're live. Oh, well, Mike, thank you so much for joining me today. We are on the precipice of Christmas season. It's the last day of November. It's crazy that it's finally here. The mall's already packed. You and I were in the Eaton Center yesterday, and it's just crazy. The size of the Christmas tree, the number of people that are in there. looks nice, looks festive, but uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it's the holiday season indeed. But with the holiday season brings us the Game Awards, which I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, I believe that the Game Awards, the Jeff Keighley-hosted Game Awards, which are kind of like the video game version of the Oscars, hosted every year early December. I think I have the date right. It's on December 7th this year. Uh, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the Game Awards and uh, what maybe our predictions are for Game of the Year. There are 31 categories, I think, 30 or 31 categories with various uh, levels of my interest. Uh, Best (laughs) RPGs of the year, best uh, streamers or content creators of the year, which I'm not all that fond of but i did want to ask you what what are your thoughts of game of the year of 2023 it's been a great year of gaming are there any games that stand out to you as a uh, game of the year contenders oh i mean there's there's tons but uh, neil i'm surprised that you didn't mention that we're not nominated for an award for best podcasting of the year is that is that a category yet nope content creator is the only one so far which i think mm. counts podcasters twitch streamers yeah. youtubers and i i checked the list because i was just interested because i only know of like two now and i i did not know any of the ones that were nominated so i'm there yeah. yeah, well, maybe we'll get nominated soon enough and uh, and, and pick up a couple of awards from Jeff and uh, mm-hmm. we'll say hi and, and tell the people there to make better games. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, there were some good games, yeah, for sure. I mean, Mario Wonder being uh, nominated is a big one. The one that stuck out to me, other than some of these obvious ones like Baldur's Gate 3, Spider-Man 2, was, um, was Resident Evil 4 being yeah. nominated for Game of the Year. And I get it. Because it is a new game in the sense of of how it was built, like they they created a new game, mm-hmm. but it is just Resident Evil Four, and Resident Evil Four already was such a you know massive massive game twenty years ago, and uh, and garnered so much critical praise and and commercial success as well. So it's kind of weird when a game that big twenty years ago again gets something like like a a nomination for game of the year. I don't think it would win based on Mm. uh the other games that are in that category but still i just i found it a bit weird yeah resident evil 4 remakes in general it's where we're getting into that weird conversation of like is the are the remakes up for up for nominations because i guess last of us part one is that out yet the ps5 version oh that's been out for a while yeah 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 we talked about it last week so yeah that's out that was not in that come out last year? No, it's this year, right? Last of Us Part 1? Yeah, yeah. earlier this year. Yeah, not even in the conversation, whereas in 2013, it was all over the news and everything. So it's weird how certain remakes get that bump. Also, we had Dead Space remake earlier this year. Mm -hmm. Um, So it is weird to think, like, just, like, do these remakes really count or should we only count new games? Um, Alan Wake 2 being another nominee. I haven't played the first Alan Wake, and I've only heard that you need to play the first one, so I need to backtrack a little bit and play Alan Wake 1 before playing Alan Wake 2. Uh, My guess... It's going to come down to Baldur's Gate 3 and Tears of the Kingdom, I think. Ooh, um, okay. that, that's my prediction. I th- I don't know enough about Baldur's Gate 3 to really know if it stands a chance of Game of the Year. I just know it's had such 
a huge uh, following and such huge praise all year. I feel like Tears of the Kingdom kind of fell away uh, with like the, the Nintendo community, at least. It didn't seem to have that sticking power as much as uh, Breath of the Wild did in 2017. Sure. Mario Wonder has kind of taken the oxygen out of that room, which Odyssey did too in 2017. But I feel like at Christmas time, people were still talking a lot about Tears of the Kingdom, which maybe certain circles are still talking about Tears of the Kingdom. So it's going to come down to one of those two games. <sighs> feel like I need to make an actual prediction here and <laughs> oh, sure. yeah. pull the trigger on one. I'm going to go with Tears of the Kingdom just because I'm going to stick with the Nintendo side of things. I'm going to say Spider-Man 2 gets it. Uh, that would be my my kind of dark horse pick. I think Spider-Man 2, even though I haven't played it, uh, I, I think that it might uh, might take home the prize. I would be a little surprised if Baldur's Gate 3 won, but also not at the same time. I'd be like, yeah, that kind of makes sense with the, um, like you were saying, all the great feedback it's gotten in the community that it's kind of created from there. And, mm-hmm. and the D&D aspect in there, too, is huge. Uh, uh, there's lots of other categories. What I would like, Neil, is honestly just like how the Academy Awards do it, where there's best original screenplay and best adapted screenplay best original screenplay of course when it's just an original idea Mm -hmm. uh that is getting created for a movie and then uh movie gets created and then that's it but adapted is when you take a book or something else and you put that into uh the movie and so it's not a it's not original uh it's it's adapted for film i would like that for uh for games in terms of like an original game's uh, are in one category, and then you have like the adapted games. So something like uh, a Resident Evil Four, uh, something that is remade or remastered, whatever you want to call it, something that has that has already existed in the video game world. Yeah, uh, would be in a different category. That's how I would do it personally. I can see that being a category eventually, like best remake or best remaster. Yeah, category. I think that that makes that makes sense. It does feel. I, I know what you're saying. It feels weird to have this 20 year old game <laughs> uh, in the talks. We do have best adaptation which is actually talking about the uh video game or the uh the movie or tv show version of the game so this year it's castlevania gran turismo last of us and the mario bros movie okay Um, there's no way last of us doesn't win i know that it's gotta be in there it's gonna be between last of us and the mario movie i think the last of us will win that but that's a weird one for me because it's like that's not video games like it is i get it yeah but it's it's a tv they're tv shows and uh cinema so that Hmm. we have the oscars already and the uh What's the TV show version? Emmys? Emmys, yeah. Emmys, yeah. yes. We already have that. We already have a George. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> I don't need, I don't I don't know. If, it's just a weird category for me. Uh, but sure. I, know, I know what yeah. you're saying. I do like the idea of remakes and remasters. Maybe someday we'll have uh, 50 categories in there and we'll have bands playing and someone will slap someone else and everyone will talk about it the next day. But I'm excited to hear what wins. I'm always excited to hear what wins game mm-hmm. of the year. Another thing that I'm always excited to talk about, Mike, is it's the last episode of the month. And with that means that we have to look back 20 years ago and talk about what the world was looking like in November of 2003. In the world of video games, we had Prince of Persia, Sands of Time on November 10th, Ratchet and Clank going Commando on November 11th, The Legend of Zelda Collector's Edition on November 17th, which I think is the one you have, I can't remember now, and Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga on November 17th. So pretty good month, I would have to say. I do have that Collector's Edition, of course. One of my favorite uh, favorite GameCube I was going to say games, but I guess it's four games. <laughs> Collection of games. Yep. Uh, fantastic. I also have played Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga. So both coming out November 17th, 2003. That's a big day. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big one. That's the uh, Oppenheim- Barbenheimer Day. That one. <laughs> like the uh, October 20th of 2003. It was November 17th, I guess. That's right. In movies, we had Brother Bear on November 1st. That's nice. one of those Disney movies that I need to check out because it's the other Phil Collins soundtrack that I'd probably love. It's basically Tarzan B-Sides. Um, yeah, have you never listened to the actual soundtrack? Oh, I have. I've listened okay, to the okay, song. Okay, I just have okay. not seen the movie, but I, mm. I know all the songs for sure. 
The Matrix Revolutions, which I think is the third one, was on November 5th. Elf and Love Actually on November 7th, so that was a big Christmas movie day. Looney Tunes, Back in Action on November 14th. That's the movie that killed Skate Jam, starring Tony Hawk. Mm -hmm. Cat in the Hat on November 21st. The Haunted Mansion with Eddie Murphy on the 26th. And Kim Possible, A Stitch in Time on November 28th. So pretty okay month for the movies, I would say. Yeah, I mean, November and December, definitely when movies start ramping up for getting that Oscar bait slash uh, holiday right. uh, holiday movie bait, as, uh, as mm-hmm. you want to call it. Uh, yeah, that's November's always a pretty big month for that. Uh, it's kind of uh, crazy to think, though, Elf being 20 years old, I, I might have actually seen Elf in theaters. I'm actually pretty sure now, looking back, that I did see Elf in theaters, so that's pretty cool. I was talking about this the other day, is that Elf and Love Actually, they're probably the last two great Christmas movies. Honestly, yeah. Like At classics. least for me. Yeah. I, I couldn't think of any like really good recent ones that aren't just remakes of old movies, like yeah. just another version of A Christmas Story or something, <laughs> or A Christmas God. Carol, rather. I don't think A Christmas Story has been remade. Maybe it has. Oh, but, it has. But... I think it has. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah I think it's bad. How do you... <laughs> I guess you could do different eras, but I, ho- I thought the whole charm of that movie is supposed to be it's the 50s and it's yep. uh, simple. Anyway. <laughs> Moving on to music in 2003, we had Sarah McLaughlin's Afterglow on November 4th, Catch-22's Dinosaur Sounds on November 4th, Three Doors Down had another 700 miles on November November 11th, Bruce Springsteen's The Essentials on November 11th, Blink-182's self-titled record on November 18th, Skillet's Collide, I actually like that album, I listened to it a lot in college, on November 18th, and Britney Spears' is In The Zone on November 18th, so that was a huge day in music. I remember that that Bruce Springsteen The Essentials CD, because that's the one that my uh, my dad bought, so we basically had like 50 Bruce Springsteen songs to listen to. <laughs> the Essentials was such a cool, it was basically big shiny tunes for for parents. Yeah, honestly, just like big shiny <laughs> tunes for one artist, just like mm-hmm. all their all their hits plus more. So, so good, it was a great time. Uh, Blink One Eighty Two. You mentioned uh, you call that the self titled album, or is it untitled? Neil, we'll uh, never know. We'll whatever. Never know. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I don't care about that I album. Don't care. <laughs> no, I, I like that's a good album. I mean, like it's fine. I I like the hits on it. I guess uh, Stockholm Syndrome is a really good song. It's not my. Saw the eyes. <laughs> There's so many. It's their it's their um experimental album and. Mm-hmm. I get that it's it's everyone's it's like the the album that everyone references when they talk about Blink One Eighty Two. It's got the iconic X's with the eyes, the smiley face symbol. I get it. Like it, it's it's one of their more iconic records, but it's yep. it's not in my top three even in terms of Blink One Eighty Two albums. But uh, yeah, November eighteenth, big day for music. November seventeenth, big day for video games, and the movies were all over the place. But uh, yeah, that was all of the media that we got in uh, November of two thousand three. In the world news, not a heck of a lot happening in November. A lot of Iraq and uh, and Middle Eastern news that I tried to avoid here. But on November seventeenth, Arnold Schwarzenegger is sworn in as the governor governor of California. And on November twenty third, the two thousand three Heritage Classic is played in Edmonton, Canada. Uh, that's the first outdoor hockey re- regular season game uh, in the NHL. There were over fifty thousand spectators in audience that day. I remember that when that was on. I watched oh, yeah. it on TV. That was that was a huge deal. Yeah, I watched it on CBC on the mm-hmm. Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. Yeah, uh, it was uh, it was great. Uh, Jose Theodore had his um, uh, had his toque on on top of his mask, which was uh, an iconic look. I'll never forget that. That yeah. was really cool, considering yeah. that it's not actually going to help him. <laughs> but uh, uh, very cool, and that kind of sparked all the outdoor games that we have now for hockey which has been pretty diluted it's kind of sad because now Mm -hmm. we have like three a year so it's not really a special thing anymore when when that 2003 one happened it was really special i'd never they had done like preseason games 
and stuff before. Uh, and other leagues had done kind of outdoor games and experimented with it, but they had never done it on the scale of like doing it in a football stadium and uh, or baseball stadium later on. So yeah, that was a cool day. I, I vividly remember that. Yeah, I remember thinking because we were playing hockey at the time. I remember thinking, "Oh man, I hope that we can do that too." Like, like they could set like the uh, mm-hmm. the local league would set up an outdoor game like as an homage to that. I don't think it never did in our league. Maybe it did in certain parts of the city. The closest thing that I ever got was playing shinny outside on a frozen <laughs> tennis court, which is shinny's a ton of fun. Yeah. Um, and that was like the cl- I was like, "Oh, this is what it was like to play at Edmonton to fifty thousand people." But uh, yeah, that was a fun <laughs> time. It's weird to talk about news now that's twenty years old, and I I remember it happening. But uh, with that, Mike, I think that it's about time that we jump into today's episode what do you think let's do it neil all right ladies and gentlemen welcome to episode 40 of the unlocking what was cool podcast the show about all things retro that we love from our childhood new episode every thursday on all the major podcast services we are the number one podcast hosted by people who talk about the nhl outdoor classic of 2003 last week we talked about one of the best ps3 ps4 and ps5 games of all time the last of us if you haven't already go back and check it out this week we are covering our patreon elected topic thank you so much to everyone who voted in the election this month, the topics were Scooby-Doo, the 2002 movie, Green Day's Dookie, and our favorite childhood snacks. And the winner with 50% of the votes was our favorite childhood snacks, which is what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about our favorite snacks, maybe some of our least favorite snacks, some that were overrated, which is probably going to get us some enemies over the internet. Uh, with regards to our Patreon page, we are putting it on hold for the month of December. Uh, so we already have the entire schedule for that month planned out. So there will be no election. There will be no charge to any of of our Patreon supporters that month, but we do appreciate everyone who supported our podcast this year up until uh, November, and uh, we really appreciated all the topics that we covered, all the elections. It's been a mm-hmm. ton of fun. Uh, so, Mike, uh, before we talk about our favorite childhood snacks from the '90s and 2000s, are there are there any snacks that you eat today that you didn't as a kid? I was thinking about this today. Oh, that's a good question. Um, I eat a lot of dried mangoes as like a snack. Ooh, That's yeah. a big one for me. That's maybe one of like the newer ones in my life, uh, I guess you could say. You can trick yourself because they look like fuzzy peaches. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and I do love fuzzy peaches. Um, yeah, that's like... Like for me, snacks are uh, goldfish has been a mainstay in my family forever. So mm. goldfish is one of my my main snacks. Uh, just just regular chips sometimes too, and and fruit and, and other stuff like that. But yeah, mango dried dried fruit was a relatively new one. I I had a lot of dried fruit when I was in uh, Korea actually, and uh, visiting there for a couple of weeks, and. The mangoes, the dried mangoes there were so fresh. Like mm-hmm. it was so good. I, I know it's a, a oxymoron to call a dry mango yeah. fresh, but like <laughs> there was something about them that was just so good. And I kind of got hooked on them after that, and and love getting dried mangoes when I can. Great snack. You don't need too much. Fills you up pretty pretty fast too. Mm. And uh, it's nice to just chew on something. Who doesn't love chewing on things for a snack? I mean, that's why gum exists. So yeah, <laughs> way less calories in gum though. Uh, not a great snack. The uh... no, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For me, I don't eat a ton of. I'm not a snack person as an adult. I eat basically four times a day. So like, I don't. I like they're basically meals though, like eggs sure. and potatoes or rice or chicken or vegetables or sandwiches. So for me, like the smallest quote unquote snack or meal that I'll have is like a cup of tea and some toast. Like that's kind of what I would consider like peanut butter on toast is like a snack for me now. I, I yeah. I'm not really like a huge bowl of chips kind of guy or popcorn or anything like that. If it's going to be like the small, like a handful of food of some kind, it's going to be uh, undried fruit. So fruit, as I like to call it. <laughs> just regular. <laughs> just regular fruit. You know, I like I like dried fruit with the moisture added back to it. Um, I'd probably, <laughs> I'd probably be it. like an apple, a banana, uh, grapes, strawberries, melon, of course. We're a big strawberry and melon fan. So that's probably 
it, but I, I did snack on fruit as a kid, so that's not really a new adult thing. Um, I feel like with snacks as an adult, it's all like basically low calorie, low fat based crap that isn't actually very good, which uh, we didn't have that as a kid. Um, so yeah, basically for me, fruit or just a small meal is what I would say. But let's dive back into the 90s and 2000s, Mike. We're going to go all the way back to the schoolyard where when we were in elementary school, we had two recesses outside of lunch period, which... If I could go back to that day, those days for, for one week, I don't know what I would do to, uh, to have two recesses and a one hour lunch break. But, yeah. uh, with each of those recesses, you had to be smart in the morning because you had to usually pack a snack or two to have mm-hmm. something to chew on it uh, on recess. Uh, I think they were only maybe 10 or 15 minutes. So you didn't have time to have like a meal or anything, but you could walk around the schoolyard, have a, have a bag of chips, have a fruit roll up, have some fruit if you were, if you wanted to pack an apple. So my first, uh, my first shout out, uh, for my top 10 most nostalgic snacks, uh, I guess I'll start with the first one here, and I, I did just put fruit. Um, that is the most nostalgic. It's sad, but as a kid, I did like having fruit. Maybe not always at school, but at home, my mom was always really good at having fresh-cut fruit in the fridge, so having cantaloupe and watermelon. We always had bowls of apples and didn't get into bananas until I was way later, so it's really boring, but... <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, I was I was raised in a, ha- a house with health nuts. So uh, for me, my most nostalgic fruit uh, snack, uh, in no particular order, is fruit. <laughs> Just fruit. Wow. So yeah, this is what this is what the fans want, Neil. They're I know. Nineties like and two thousand snacks. Let's hear about <laughs> fruit. That's, Terrible. That's totally a nineties two thousand snack. No, my I, snack. Uh, yeah, it's your snack. Um, I, I for me for for doing this uh, this exercise, I basically just went through. And try to remember as many snacks as I could. Uh, I don't necessarily have a top 10. I just have some of my favorite snacks. I do have a couple also that I don't like. But um, uh, one of my f- absolute favorites that, honestly, if someone gave it to me today, I'd, I would still eat for sure is uh, fruit roll-ups. Oh, yeah. I love fruit roll-ups. And now fruit roll-ups are called a bunch of different things throughout the world, as mm. I discovered one time. Yeah, it's it's weird. There's like some people call them like fruitos or stuff. Which no, that's cereal. Is a little too close to fruit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. A bit too close to Fruit Loops for my liking. Uh, so fruit roll-ups, uh, what they basically are is a rolled-up long string stretch belt. Looks like a belt, basically, yeah. of just sugary, candied, fruit-flavored thing. Uh, hard to actually describe exactly what it is. It's kind of gummy. You chew on it. You, you eat it. Uh, and it tastes delicious. And uh, what's really fu- fun to do is you, you peel it off from the little... A uh, little paper that it comes on, and you're peeling it as you're kind of unwinding it. Uh, Fruit by the foot is also what uh, what I think one of the brands was called too. Yeah. Uh, but um, I loved fruit roll-ups. Played with them all the time. I feel like I played with them more than eating them sometimes. Where I just like, yeah. like fully like throw throw the entire um the the the, the entire long foot long of it. Uh, and, Isn't it three uh, feet long? Three Isn't feet long, entire three feet. Yeah, exactly. It is three feet. The entire three foot long. I don't know what you'd call it. Like I call it a belt. I called it a belt like too. A belt. Okay, yeah. that's good. I'm yeah. glad that we're on the same page with calling it unit uh, of measurement. Know, unit <laughs> of one. <laughs> one belt of fruit roll ups. If you don't know what a fruit roll up is, please go check it out. Uh, maybe maybe you can you, you can buy some. I would love for oh, yeah. whoever makes fruit roll ups to sponsor us. Oh my god, uh, they are they are fantastic. Uh, and I would always get like the red. Mm. ones i know that there was different colors the blue one was pretty popular but i was a red guy there were even different like types that they had fruit roll-ups that had like i remember they had like quote-unquote tattoos that like you could stick on your tongue and then oh, yeah. peel off and it made it look like your tongue had tattoos and they had ones that had like half red half green so you had like a it was like a watermelon flavored one i think um and you're right they did have like games that you could play with it that they it randomly invented but it's funny that you mentioned for roll-ups because when I, I was at a 
I guess it was a it was a Blue Jays game. It was this summer baseball game, and they had a contest where two dudes, like guys in their thirties. Uh, had to do the fruit roll-up race where you basically unroll the entire thing. So you got like two and a half, three feet of this fruit roll-up belt hanging out of your mouth and you have to eat it with no hands. So you kind of just like oh. like reel it in with your mouth like a like a fishing rod, uh, which is one way to eat it as a kid. You do those in the schoolyard. I remember doing this with fruit roll-ups and they did this to win a prize at a Jays game. And I was watching it. I was like, man, this is the most 1998 thing I've seen <laughs> in a long time watching this happen. Um, it's funny. It's, it's such a cool snack. They do still make them. I've seen them at the grocery stores. Um, terrible for your teeth, though, because it is just like basically sugar and fructose. It's just pure fructose that you're just yeah, that sticks to your teeth, too. It's actually a flat, as Wikipedia calls it, a flat corn syrup-based fruit-flavored snack rolled into a tube, spread onto a backing sheet of cellophane to prevent the product from sticking to itself. That is a much better way to describe it than than what mine was. (laughs) Debuted in 1983, by the way. That's when it debuted. Pretty cool. I wonder how many miles of fruit roll-ups have been made at this point. It's got to be stretch out to Pluto or something, but great for a snack, way better. I, I went with fruit. You went with the farthest thing from, from fruit. So that's good. We've, that's uh, right. we've covered everything now to get to all the snacks in between. My second choice of the day is smart pop popcorn. Um, mm, yep. Basically yep. the, uh, the black, yellow, white, and green bag. I think if I'm remembering correctly, just the plain white cheddar, plain, just the white cheddar uh, versions of the classic one. It's so good. I don't know what they do to make the popcorn taste like that. It almost tastes like fake popcorn. Because uh, like when you make popcorn at home, it, it's got that light airy taste to it. This popcorn doesn't have that. It's very. It was very dense. I remember it and that that cheddar cheese flavoring. It was so good. Um, I remember getting occasionally getting as a treat like the mini bags, which were pretty rare. Um, usually you had to just take. You have to buy like the half pound big bag that your mom would buy from the grocery store and dump some into a Ziploc bag and then bring that to school and hope to God that you don't sit on it by accident. Because <laughs> taking popcorn to school was bris- was just risky because it's such a delicate snack. Um, but anytime I had that, like having it with a sandwich or having it at recess, like at lunch or anything like that, I, I loved smart pop popcorn and I didn't know why it was called smart pop. Like I think for a minute I was like, maybe it makes you smarter. Um, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Weirdly doesn't. Well, it's actually called, uh, it's the brand is smart food. You know, oh, I, and, I, and I know everyone does call it smart pop, yeah. uh, just to put the two together, but no, it's a smart food popcorn is the actual mm. brand name owned by Frito-Lay because it seems like Frito-Lay owns all chips yeah and snacks <laughs> they have a monopoly there there seems to be some monopoly rules that are being evaded there for sure uh, smart pot uh, smart food is uh is the actual brand but uh mm. yeah you'll definitely recognize the um the bag it's got the corn just the corn in the cob that's exploding like popping out yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exploding from the smart food it's yeah. a classic design uh there are new designs of it that i saw the other day and i'm like I don't like this. Go back. Go back to the old packaging. I want to feel – I should feel nostalgic while I'm eating snacks. I feel like yeah. snack companies are, are really missing hard with pushing nostalgia. Like they should just have all – like they should have a, a week or whatever where they just have limited edition 90s packaging of fruit roll-ups and smart fruit and stuff like that. Mm. Uh, they would They would get my money. Right oh away. yeah, for sure. And I think that they, they capitalized on, like I mentioned before, the time when food was starting to get healthier – like snack mm-hmm. food especially and the name of it, even though smart pop popcorn isn't healthy um it has the uh the illusion of being healthy. just because like the name of it it's yeah. like, oh it's, it's got to be healthy it's popcorn smart. And it's smart I'm, I'm making the smart choice by buying it it's like no it's still packed with salt uh and i don't know what else um but it's tasty it's really addicting uh i remember having to pour a huge bowl of it watching a movie and finishing that entire bowl it was the most addicting popcorn that you could buy without going to the movie theaters yeah, that's, uh, I agree. It's, it's, I'm not a huge popcorn guy, but 
there's something about smart pop that is really, really addicting. My next one for me is not a snack per se, not an actual um, uh, object that you can eat, but instead you drink it, and it's Sunny D. Oh. Neil, I feel like we would be remiss to not uh, talk about Sunny D on the show uh, when we're talking about 90s and 2000s foods because I feel like Sunny D represents the 90s for me. Sunny D is the closest thing to drinking juice without actually having juice. Uh, I don't know. Because <laughs> it's a snack, yeah. yeah it's, it's it's not, you're literally it, drinking a snack. It's, it shouldn't be legally be able to be called a juice. <laughs> it's also not pop. It's not fizzy or anything. It's the, it's delicious. You're right. Sunny D is great. Um, yeah, I used to drink Sunny D all the time too. Uh, I can't, I don't think I have any liquids as a snack here for me, but it does count. It uh, definitely counts. But uh, I remember ignoring every single health, uh, not violation, but like, I remember like in the news, I remember Sunny D being in the news. Like it was, was in the news. Yeah. Frequent, I remember that too. Frequently. <laughs> but, like, all, all the issues with like a kid, like drinking way too much of it in some state and dying or whatever of like something. Um, and just ignoring it, like trying my best to ignore all of it. Cause they sold it in, I'll let you talk about it. But they sold it in the small containers and then they also sold it in the big ones. So you could, you could pour <laughs> yourself like a half a liter cup at home if you, if you wanted to. There's something about the containers. I'm glad you mentioned that because Perfect. they're very iconic. They're, mm. They were very different from other containers that were out there at the time. They were made of this really, really hard, thick plastic. It looks like an Art Deco <laughs> design, actually. Yeah, and they did exactly. The the top of it had these the lines and everything that yeah. like the, the the engravings on the on the side, and it was uh, it was almost like a triangular shape at the top where it would it would jet out instead of jetting in, uh, like a normal kind of uh, Coke bottle or something. So it, the design of it was really cool. It was also square had a square base mm-hmm. uh so i think that made it really fun to just have i don't know I, I i always think of the packaging you could also throw sunny d's at people and they would not like break or no. smash like like that you could throw it at your friend when he's being an idiot and you know hit him hard with it injure him and then drink your sunny and have d a drink and, <laughs> and have a drink and you'd you'd feel absolutely great yeah sunny d uh, sunny delight for those uh mm. playing at home um it uh, it was named that uh, before 2003 they actually did change the name to sunny d in 2003 which i feel is a bit weird because like everyone just knew it as sunny d anyways uh but i guess they wanted to go off of that brand recognition uh it's wikipedia describes it as a orange drink uh which is <laughs> i agree not not orange juice but orange drink great uh and uh saying that it resembles a soft drink without carbonation and i think that is actually a really good way to describe what this is it uh, it does come from florida uh, originally from mount dora florida it was uh it was distributed and created by procter and gamble uh png uh they did spin it off into the independent sunny delight beverages company in 2005 mm-hmm. uh and the beverage currently is distributed by dr pepper uh seven up uh in uh and as well in canada it's uh distributed by saputo so mm. it's kind of its own brand which is pretty cool and in 1998 uh or sorry, I should say, in 1999, after a 10 million pound promotion campaign in the United Kingdom, it became the third biggest selling drink in the world behind Coca-Cola wow. and Pepsi. And now that is pretty crazy. That's crazy because after like fourth grade, I don't remember seeing anybody drinking Sunny D. Like Again, an, this is 1999. That's so. true. Maybe, maybe kid, <laughs> it's, it's still in grocery stores, so maybe kids it still is. drink it. I, I don't see adults drinking it ever. Um, I see adults drinking Orangina. And yeah. that, that's the closest thing to Sunny D, I think. Mm. That's like... That's pop though, isn't it? 
it it is pop, but it's not, I don't think of it as carbonated as like Fanta, for example. Mm, okay. So it's like I think once you're when you're an adult, your your next step after Sunny D is Orangina, which is also sorry to offend anyone out there, but Orangina is really gross. Never and, had uh, it. Yeah, it's, it's not it's not great. I'll I'll take my C plus mm. or Orange Crush. Thank you. Yeah, good good choice. C plus, good choice indeed. <laughs> uh, my third snack here are uh, I don't know if they still make them. I haven't seen them in the forever, but Bugles. Um, I don't know if you remember these. They're like these bugles. Really? Oh, you suck. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) They're basically like cone-shaped corn chips. They were made in 1966, and they taste like it. Um, But I'm so nostalgic (laughs) for those things. I remember, like you, it was like fruit roll-ups in the sense that I'm nostalgic for them because I think I remember playing with them more than I remember. Eating put them, them on your hands. Yep. You put them, everyone you, you, put them on their hands with Fritos yep. uh, as the rings. Ah, okay. I got you. Yeah, you can like have like a whole blinged out fist and then claw somebody's <laughs> eyes out with your bugle fingers. Uh, right. Yeah, you look like witch's fingers. And as an adult, you can't do that because they're not big enough. Uh, makes you remember how small your hands actually were at some point. But mm-hmm. I I have such a nostalgic uh, like for the taste of them, like just having them when I was really young, like five. It's one of like the first snacks that... I was given for some reason. I don't know why. It's just like, I guess I I, I uh, graduated from eating shreddies to bugles because they were the closest thing. Um, yeah, I, I guess you don't have much to say about them. You hate the bugles, just like the N64. So maybe it's, there's something to do with N64 fans and bugles. I was about to say that that uh, that the reason I, uh, I I hate it is because of N64. Yeah, because I, I, I consider bugles to be the golden eye of uh of of snacks because everyone's like golden eye is great and say like, have you played it recently it's mm. like well no it's like well okay play it right now so <laughs> eat, eat a bugle right now neil okay and and then, and, and then and <laughs> then report back to, and okay. tell me how hard it is i'll follow up with you next week i'll probably like stab myself in the mouth with one because they're so damn sharp and brittle because they haven't made any new ones since 1966 they're so hard they're, they're so sharp and they're also so like thick Good. like the i i remember Recent, not recently, in the last like ten years, eating a bugle, I'm like, why is it, why is it so thick? Why am I like <laughs> taking a while to bite down into this thing? Chips shouldn't be thick. <laughs> they're not chips, Mike. They're they're probably more of a cracker, I guess. But uh, like Pringles, yeah, in between. But anyway, what's your next snack of the day? My next snack is Dunkaroos, which uh, is a, a great snack for me. I this is one I did have in my lunch sometimes if I was doing good in school or whatever was going on. If I was a good boy, then I got some uh, got some Dunkaroos in my lunch that uh, my mom would pack me. And I loved Dunkaroos. I still like Dunkaroos. I, I had them in the last 10 years and I was like, yep, still tastes the same. Uh, they are basically just a, a little snack-sized package of cookies and frosting. Mm-hmm. And uh, the each cookie, I, back in the day, I think they just had a big D on them, but I think now they have all these different big little designs. Big D on them. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, uh, and, and actually first launched in 1990. I looked mm. up, 1990. So it is a true 90 snack. I like that they kept it pretty, because Dunkers are on my list too, but they're in my honorable mentions. I didn't put them in my snack list because they felt more like a dessert. Like it didn't feel like something that you'd have as it felt like an after meal kind of a, a snack. Ah, uh, digestive. Yes, that's right. That's right. <laughs> digestive. That's what we called it back when we were seven. Uh, I like that they kept it really basic, even back in the day. Like they kept it with just chocolate and vanilla cookies, and then rainbow. And like you yep. could get different combinations. So you get chocolate, vanilla, or rainbow cookies, and chocolate, vanilla, or rainbow dip. Um, and that was basically it. And that was one of those things that, like, if you had Dunkaroos, you definitely had some uh, you had some haggling power on the schoolyard. You had you, you had something you that you could definitely take to school and trade up, um, or get like multiple snacks for one pack of Dunkaroos. Like Dunkaroos were worth like two or three of something else sometimes because they were such a valuable resource on the schoolyard. I remember taking the cups that they came with the um, 
the long containers that they had long container of the cookies and the little small uh, container of the dip at the end. Mm-hmm. And in the springtime, you'll remember this, Mike, we, we went to school where the schoolyard was massive. And uh, in the wintertime or in the springtime, when all the snow melted, uh, our schoolyard was angled away from the school because it was, I guess the drainage was done right. And all of the water drained down to this one spot in the schoolyard, which is basically, basically created this river at the bottom <laughs> of the school because it drained so efficiently into this ditch. And people would take their Dunkaroo containers and we would race our Dunkaroo uh, little, we treat them like boats. Basically, you'd flip them upside down and you put them in the water, and they would float down this hundred-yard-long river. And we would just race <laughs> Dunkaroo containers after lunch. It was great. That's fantastic. Yeah. I I actually don't remember. I actually I, I kind of remember doing that. I remember the 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 drainage and everything, and I remember like playing with the the yeah, creeks oh yeah. and creating our own little mm-hmm. rivers. But uh, yeah, Dunk Dunkaroos also have that iconic packaging for yeah. sure, like the blue that blue container, like you were mes- men- mentioning, and just the ability that it is so simple for a kid to just take the the little Dunkaroo and dunk it. Yep. And that's all you're, it's in the name. It's perfect. Perfect snack, perfect character, perfect flavoring. I love Dunkaroos. They've changed up the recipe a bit. You can still buy them, but I feel like that the cookies don't hit quite as hard as they yeah. used to. My next favorite snack is one that I still love to this day, actually. If I'm given a handful of these at a party, I will definitely eat them. That is munchies. Um, oh, yeah. I don't know what that's called in different countries, if other countries have it. But basically, it's this snack mix of Doritos, Sun Chips, Pretzels, and Cheetos. Um, I feel like it was introduced, it was introduced actually when we were uh, alive, 2001. So it's a fairly new snack. Um, the most addictive thing ever. I think I remember getting mini bags of it after hockey or baseball. It was such an easy thing to get. Uh, so good. I, I love, I love sun chips specifically. I don't like all the other snacks in there individually. Like I don't like getting a bowl of pretzels or a bowl of Doritos or a bowl of Cheetos, but put them all together and they're delicious. They're all mini versions of themselves. Um, so you can eat a lot of them and they're just amazing. My mom loves them. She still buys them to this day, every Christmas, birthday, whatever, when we get together, (laughs) there's always a bowl of munchies. There always has been a bowl of munchies at my family's house. And there always will be a bowl of munchies at my family get togethers. And there always will be pretzels being the last things eaten yeah, they every suck. time yeah <laughs> that, that's in my that's in my least favorite snacks we're gonna get to that later um it's so universal that that in a munchies bag the pretzels were always the ones that i've never met someone who's like oh i'll take the rest of the pretzels right you know i'll, I'll finish it off <laughs> but 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 spread it in with a dorito and a sun chip i'll have a pretzel then me too exactly mm. for sure but i always just like you know taking my uh my sun chip one at a time taking my cheeto <sighs> for me it goes sun chip yep. cheeto mm-hmm. dorito mm-hmm. pretzel yep yeah, the Sun Chips were the first to go. It was like the uh, the marshmallows <laughs> in a Lucky Charms box. Like, you know, there'd be way less marshmallows by the time you get to the end of it. Um, such a special <laughs> snack. I don't know if it's a Canadian thing only. It probably isn't. But just finding that blue bag, finding the bag of munchies in the snack aisle is also for some reason really complicated because <laughs> Lay's and Doritos takes up so much space. Like there's all these rows of like plain Lay's, salt and vinegar and all this stuff. There's usually like one line like what like three bags of munchies and you have to really find it because it blends in so well with everything else every time damn mm. munchies blending in mm. a classic classic snack i i, I miss uh, i not miss munchies no, they, they exist around. but oh, yeah. yeah yeah i still still enjoy them i'll make sure they don't go out of business i will stockpile those <laughs> one of my favorites uh that i absolutely loved as a kid and it's not necessarily it's not necessarily a snack more so a competition and what i mean by this neil uh I'm talking about Warheads. Mm. If you remember Warheads Brutal. for anyone, uh, any of the non-initiated out there, Warheads were basically these super, super sour hard candies that you would put 
in your mouth and it would change your, your tongue as well. So it would, you could prove <laughs> that uh, it changed your tongue's color. So you could prove that you did indeed have a warhead. Mm-hmm. And it came in these uh, tiny little little packages too that were really cool. The packaging was was honestly what sold probably a lot of people with the little cartoon guy. Uh, like his sour brains face. were like, yeah, with the sour face. He's like, mm. yeah. Um, and those things they were incredibly sour. Like that was, uh, that was a lot. <laughs> that was a it, lot. It was insane. Dude, the first time I, I remember the first time I had a warhead and I think I got into it because it looked like, first of all, the candy looked like it and the packaging looked like crazy bones. Yeah. Yes, Actually very dangerous. How similar the two, <laughs> the two things were. Um, but I remember, I, I remember vividly the first time I had a warhead, I spat it out cause it was so, I was young too. Like you don't have the palate for that. Definitely more of like a, an older, like, like the old, the older kid, like it was like a 11 year old. Yeah. The older kid, you know, 11, uh, could, could muscle through a, a warhead. Um, also very similar to airheads. If you remember those. Um, but you're right. It basically was the kid version of taking a shot at a party. Like, dude, yep. do you want to go have a warhead? It's basically the same thing as taking a shot of like whiskey at a party. Cause it would give you the same sensation in your mouth. It was just this brutal <laughs> sour sensation. I haven't had one of those in so long. I wonder if they're still as sour. If I'm just, my taste buds are also dead after so many years that I can probably power through one now. But I remember like this one kid put like three in his mouth at one time. And I thought he was yeah. gonna, like, it's like, everyone's like, he's going to die. He OD'd on warheads. That's right. Oh my God. Yeah. Warheads, uh, which is formerly known as mega warheads. They are a <laughs> brand <laughs> of sour tart candy manufactured uh, in uh, Janesville, Wisconsin. Sure. They're supposed to be an extreme candy with an intense sour <laughs> flavor. Uh, very popular with children. In 1999, warheads uh, made $40 million. $40 million. Wow. Uh, pretty cool. It's actually a Taiwanese thing uh, originally of sour candies, and it was imported to the states in the '90s. But yeah, it was. Um, I, I don't think I did them for the taste ever or anything like that. It was just competition. It just you see a kid doing it, and you're like, okay, now I have to do it. And that's basically that's basically how those things went on the yep. on the schoolyard. Yep. The whole spicy craze thing t- took off in like the late 2010s, like with the ghost pepper and the reaper pepper. But I feel like that like sourness can only go so far in nature that like we need to basically make a chemical that's so sour. And I'd like to see warheads get taken to the next level mm. and start to see people get hospitalized by eating things that are too sour. But uh, that that's for the next <laughs> that's for the next TikTokers to do. Not me, obviously. Um, that's right. My next snack on my list, Mike, if you didn't like bugles, I'm scared to know what you're going to say about these. But uh, bits and bites. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, bits and they're good. They're they're half good. I'd say like correct. Half of the stuff in them is good. <laughs> <laughs> Very divisive because yeah, you're, it's the same thing as before. Like you mentioned with the munchies, uh, you, the last thing is the pretzels. I feel like with bits and or with bits and bites, the last thing that you're gonna get are those spicy Cheerios. Um, that was always the last thing. And basically it was another snack mix where you get the cheese crackers, which were the best part. Basically like a, um, a goldfish actually, but in the shape of like a um, a pill. Best thing I can describe mm-hmm. a pretzel stick. A shreddy, but it wasn't like a shreddy that you'd want to eat. It was like another kind of spiced shreddy. And then a spicy Cheerio. So the whole thing looked like cereal, um, but wasn't. And you see, like you saw these really back in the day, like in, I remember I associated with my grandparents' house for some reason, because they always mm. had bits and bites. So I associated with something you'd see like at a bar or like at a, a grown up, like a grown up bowl of snacks. And I hung out with grown ups a lot when I was a kid. So it was always bits and bites and really nostalgic for these snacks. Always loved eating a handful of them. Really tasty. I still like them to this day. The spicy Cheerio is still weird to me as an me adult. Too. Because yeah. like, you just associate Shreddies and, and Cheerios with being sweet, you know, soft cereal and yep. not this snack that you want to eat dry. Um, so it was always hard to get around that. The pretzel stick was different too, because it wasn't this, you know, bended 
pretzel that I knew from the munchies. It was just like a little stick, way more palatable when you could just have a little bit of a pretzel. And then I said before the cheese cracker was always the best part. I used to pick those out of the bowl and uh, piss off my dad. <laughs> oh, I, same here. Exactly the same. I'm sure everyone was the same as us, Neil, with the, you pick out that cheese cracker. That's, that's what made it. Uh, that's what made it good. I, I do like that you mentioned cereal because cereal is my next one that I used to have as a snack, not actually oh. in a bowl with milk. And this is a discontinued uh, cereal that actually friend of the show, John, brought back at one point somewhere. I don't know where he got it. It, it does exist in places, I guess. French Toast Crunch. Oh, yeah. They're still in the States. I think they still have it in America. Yeah. Not Cinnamon Toast Crunch. No, 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 no. Mm. French Toast Crunch, which is... <laughs> So much better, in my opinion. I love French Toast Crunch. It is fantastic. And weirdly, I never really had it with milk. It was one of those things that I would, my mom would sometimes pack a little Ziploc bag of a bunch of uh, French French Toast Crunch mm. in there. Because it wasn't too, like, it wouldn't carve up your mouth like Captain Crunch. Right. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't as, like... As uh, as bad as that, so you could you could kind of just eat it on the fly, and I did, and yeah, I I have very fond memories in recess eating French toast crunch out of my Ziploc bag. I remember seeing it advertised on TV, but we never had it. We always my mom would always just buy cinnamon toast crunch because that was the closest thing she could buy. Because mm-hmm. um, French toast crunch wasn't a thing. I saw in the grocery store recently French toast flavored cinnamon toast crunch. So I'm interested to know what the hell that is because cinnamon, phrase <laughs> in French toast, just cinnamon. I, it's it, it's mini pieces. It looks like little pieces of French toast, right? In yeah. the cereal, that's what it is? Yeah. yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah, I've seen it before, but I've never had it. I'd like to try it. But you had it as a snack. Interesting. Cereal is definitely an underrated snack. Like it definitely could be. Uh, I remember kids bringing like containers of cereal to school, like just eating like Fruit Loops or something. That was like no milk, just <laughs> just eating eating Fruit Loops with their hands. That was that was a thing. When it's sugary like that, it's a bit weird. In my in my opinion, it's candy um, at that point. It's just candy. I do like eating Cheerios without uh, milk though. Uh, sure. Sometimes uh, it's Cheerios are just a nice little little snack. My cat eats Cheerios all the time without milk. So there yeah. you go. I used to give them my hamster. We put like like ten or twelve little Cheerio rings, and she would take them to the corner and eat them like with her back to us, like it was a shameful thing to do. Uh, love Cheerios. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing in them, so it's easy to feed to to pets. Yep. Yeah, it's just corn or whatever wheat. I don't know. Yeah. Next snack on my list are Ritz mini sandwiches. Uh, yes. Still make these to this day. I uh, love these things. I love Ritz crackers in general. Love them. When I was a kid, my brother was huge. He would eat a box of Ritz sandwich crackers uh, as like, just as a snack. Uh, he was big into the peanut butter ones. I don't know if you remember that. Of course. Yeah. They got they got cute with the flavors for a bit. I like the classic cheese one. The peanut butter ones are really good too, but it just didn't taste like real peanut butter. It tasted like that kind of fake candy peanut butter thing. Yeah, I hate that. Yeah, it's, it's not good. I, I I liked actually getting the Ritz cheese crackers and putting peanut butter in those. That actually worked oh, pretty. I was you a devil. I, oh, you devil. <laughs> I was a chubby kid, Mike, and I earned it. But I remember that they got cute too, and they made like vanilla chocolate Reese sandwiches. And I was like, this is a step two. I ate those once. They were disgusting. But no, just the classic cheese Ritz mini sandwiches. Um, little tiny things, just a little bit of fake cheese. Um, I, I lived on fake cheese for the longest time as a kid between the craft singles, the Ritz mini sandwiches, craft dinner, um, fake cheese was just a part of every kid's life. Cheese whiz, of course. Oh, of course. The fluorescent yellow cheese was all over the place when we were kids and, uh, they stuck it in our snacks as well with Ritz mini, mini sandwiches and they sold them in the box cause you could eat them, uh, shamelessly in front of the TV out of the box if you wanted to, or they sold them in little snack pack, uh, size packs that you could take to school. And they were the perfect snack to have at recess. Uh, you felt like you were being healthy because technically you were eating cheese, but I think Ritz crackers are actually terrible for you, but they are delicious. Uh, Ritz crackers are so good. They are. Yeah. Big fan of the Ritz minis. 
Oh yeah, I, I love Ritz crackers. I still eat Ritz minis today, uh, to this day. I eat the cheese ones. I never like the peanut butter ones like you because yep. uh, of that artificial peanut butter flavor. I will raise you one here though. Do you remember the Ritz s'mores? No, I don't. I don't remember this. This is different. It's fantastic. It is oh. so good. I don't think they make them anymore. So Ritz, where are they? Where are the s'mores? Hmm. Must be in a... Let me see here. I'm on walmart.ca. <laughs> Can I add this to my cart? <laughs> Can I buy it? I mean, I just don't see them around, but I'm sure like they do exist. I, I love them. I, I used to have them a lot. I couldn't eat hmm. too many of them because like they are quite filling because it's graham cracker. Right. Uh, but it's such a great idea. Like just a little mini s'more every single time. And it tasted fantastic. And graham crackers also... As we've talked about this before on this podcast, very underrated. Graham crackers are good. Oh, I love graham crackers. Exactly. They're like Fig Newtons in their, in their underratedness. That's true. Great with a cup of tea, for sure. Um, <laughs> no, I, 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 how do you eat the Ritz mini sandwiches? I do need to ask that. Did you twist and lick them like you would an Oreo, or do you just eat them? I just eat them. Yeah, me too. Just just eat the whole thing in. Yeah, no, twist and lick is weird. I'm not licking fake cheese off of a cracker. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm no, sorry. No. What, what's the next snack on your list, then, Mike? Next snack on my list, we're going to go back to fruit because we got to. This is one of the most iconic snacks, in my opinion, of the 90s and I think actually 2000s. It might be a 2000s thing only. It's fruit gushers, Neil. Finally, we're getting to the fruit. This is the meat of the conversation here. Fruit, <laughs> this is what everybody came to hear us talk about, our gushers. If you had to pick, like, the the Mount Rushmore of 90s snacks, fruit gushers are are up there. Like, they're they're the first one, first choice. They are on there. They are Abe Lincoln right on there. Uh, fruit gushers, uh, so iconic, at least for me, uh, that... That literal gush that you would get when you bit into one of mm-hmm. I don't know I don't want to know what is in there what fruit juice <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm tasting but uh, it does it is in fact uh, introduced in 1991 though so they were a 90s snack I just don't really remember them until early 2000s because you know you have your fruit roll ups that was a big thing fruit by the foot and then some kid comes along with his fruit gushers or you 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 watch a commercial on uh, on your local local cartoon station and mm-hmm. you see fruit gushers being advertised and i swear fruit gushers and Kool-Aid jammers hmm. the only things that were advertised for like a year <laughs> on on uh, our channel YTV because i would constantly be seeing these advertisements for fruit gushers and just kids uh, chewing into them, being like, "Whoa!" and yeah. then everything would change around them. I'm like, "Whoa, are they like doing some LSD here? Like, are they right. biting into acid?" <laughs> Dude, the commercials were so violent; people's heads exploded in some of them. Like, that's they were, true. Yes, their whole body would explode. The commercials were very weird and definitely violent. Um, snack commercials <laughs> in general in the '90s and 2000s were great. Don't see it as often anymore. Uh, honest, like I feel like the old man yelling from the sky, but or yelling from his porch or whatever. At people talking <laughs> about snacks these days, you have no idea what kind of snack commercials and food commercials in general that we saw. They were straight up lying to us in most of the most of the cases. But fruit gushers were iconic in the '90s and 2000s. Uh, different flavors and all that, like you know, you flavor blue, flavor pink, flavor <laughs> uh, purple. I think they all tasted the same it was all just the same sugar and i don't know like you said before what the hell was in them some kind of a jelly i can tell you neil i actually have this right here they are um fruit uh, or corn syrup what is it 
Oh, there is corn syrup in there for sure. Not Everything sure. has corn syrup. That's the way it goes. Uh, so, so the strawberry flavored fruit gushers were actually composed of pear concentrate. That was hmm. the the little uh, gush that you would uh, you would get was pear concentrate. Lots of sugar, dried corn syrup, normal corn syrup, modified <laughs> corn starch, fructose, and grape juice concentrate as well right. to mix with the pear to create a strawberry tasting thing. You're right though. Um, they almost never tasted like their actual strawberry splash or gushing grape no they just tasted like i don't know just they call it licorice like that's what the company would market it as but i don't know if i would consider it licorice like i guess maybe because it was a little chewy the outer shell was definitely licorice like for sure yeah that's fair it was always packed i always appreciated the packaging for gushers because i feel like that they went 70 percent of the way there where the box looked really good like it was you know the gushers and like the big splash of whatever color or flavor you were buying and then the actual packs basically looked like the packs of KD cheese, where it was just this white kind of foil with white paper on it. Like I don't, and it just said Gushers on it. Like there was no, like if you take uh, Dunkaroos, which the packaging was really genius actually. Mm-hmm. And then Gushers was like the, le- like it looked like something you'd have in like a World War One ration pack. Yeah. Um, like yeah, they'd yeah. <laughs> di- and you'd rip it open and it'd be like this kind of thick paper foil kind of stuff and then all the gushers would be like in this kind of uh hexagonal kind of mold and then you'd kind of break them off and then eat each one and you would again talking about currency on the schoolyard with uh dunkaroos gushers trumped dunkaroos like if you had gushers you were king of the schoolyard at that point and so much so neil that in 2013 complex magazine ranked fruit gushers the second best snack of all time Wow, what was number I don't one? Have the, I don't have number one. Very I just good. have the. I mean, I can. I. I hold it's probably on, lace me... chips or something like that. Yeah, probably that would make more sense. <laughs> number two, I mean, though, can... to a to a snack made of all of just corn syrup, sugar, and uh, more corn syrup. That's uh, that's pretty good. It's pretty good, yeah. To it's and it is just such an iconic snack. And yeah. uh, and I did mention Kool Aid Jammers in there too. I do want to give a a shout out to Kool Aid Jammers that I, in my mind like brought Kool Aid back into like kids' minds. Did because I don't think we were really thinking of Kool Aid in the way that you think of the Kool Aid Man now. Of just like like that kind of Kool Aid. I think we were a bit too young for that kind of Kool-Aid brand in like the sixties and seventies and eighties as well. And, and Kool-Aid jammers, which were just basically these little juice boxes, but in a cool design, very mm-hmm. cool design that you would jam your straw into, uh, <laughs> and just tasted, uh, with that, that blue raspberry one I had all the time and it just tasted like sugar and it was fantastic. Uh, and I would get them after hockey games a lot too. Uh, mm-hmm. it was a, was always a thing, but yeah, Kool-Aid jammers, one of my favorites. Yeah, Kool-Aid jammers were awesome. Is that one of the ones on your list, the Kool-Aid jammer? It wasn't, but I just thought about it as mm-hmm. we were talking about gushers, so I had to I had to throw a sure. throw an honorable mention in there for it. Fruit explosions in general were, yes. was a theme, <laughs> was a big theme around the 2000s. It was all this new technology, the iPods and videos and cell phones and fruit explosions. That for some reason is just what the 2000s were, but the next snack for me are Pringles. Nice. Uh not a chip, more of a cracker. Actually, I think they're legally technically a cracker because they're not Ooh. really slices of potato. They're made of dough, um, but uh, invented in 1968. Uh, never really had a favorite flavor of them, to be honest with you. I, I did just like the plain ones. I'd be fine with any flavor of Pringle. It was uh, playing with them was always a lot of fun. Stacking them was obviously always a ton of fun. But the main star of Pringles, obviously, is getting the empty can once it's all over and uh, putting it on your arm and pretending like you're Samus or Mega Man <laughs> and uh, and acting like you're shooting people with uh, with your blaster. But mm-hmm. uh, I love Pring- I love Pringles as a kid. Um, packing them for school got easier the older that we got because they eventually made little um, Pringle canisters where you'd get like a little stack of Pringles in them so you didn't have to take the whole can to school. And uh, yeah, they're really good. Uh, I haven't, I've seen a lot of new flavors uh, the older that I got and never tried any of them. Like there's 
I think I had, I think the last new flavor of Pringle that I ever had was pizza flavored and it was disgusting. Yeah. I was always just a fan of the plain or salt and vinegar or sour cream and onion. And that was kind of it for me. I think plain Pringles are everyone's favorite flavor so much so that plain Pringles are always more expensive at the grocery store than the normal ones. At least Mm. the grocery stores that I go to, plain ones are always more expensive. Uh, I've had the pizza ones, not my favorites. There's also Lay's Stacks. Which was the competitor? Get out of here! Yeah, yeah. The, the anybody trying to do a stack chip can can f right off. Like Pring- <laughs> yeah. Pringles can have a monopoly on it. And speaking of monopoly, the uh, Pringles man on the can basically is just the young version of the Monopoly man. Yeah, so that's how he made his fortune. <laughs> that's right. That's how he bought all the property. <laughs> exactly. This is how it works. <laughs> oh that's yes, great. Mr. Pringle himself. They did redesign mm-hmm. him recently. There's uh, really. Yeah, yeah. I don't like the Pringles cans as much as as the old ones. Uh, they got rid of like a lot of his features, and now it's basically just like eyes and a mustache. So I don't like that as much. I want more features. I want more characteristics of Mr. Oh, Pringle. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right? What, what did they do to him? <laughs> well, what did they do? They massacred my boy. They massacred my boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. This is what I'm talking about. You were talking about earlier, like, with taking away, you know, like, what, what, what did you say before? Like, bringing back old logos? Like, the, what was wrong with the, the Pringle, man? And see... I would pay big money for my nostalgic <laughs> Pringle cans. I would 100% pay for a 1995 Pringle can. I uh, okay. love those. Uh, I used to get the little, the the the, the mini ones in trick or treat mm-hmm. bags sometimes too. Oh yeah. I still eat Pringles, but I can only eat them once in a while. Uh, I, I I can't go hard on Pringles anymore. One chip that I or one snack I guess that I used to go hard on uh, after hockey all the time for me was hickory sticks. Neil, do you remember these? I do. I remember. Yeah. I remember seeing them all the time. I was never really. They're basically. Are they onion or are they potato? Great question. They are. Uh, they. I mean, they are potato for sure. Uh, okay. I don't know if they're like actually what their flavor is supposed to be or whatever. But yeah, hickory sticks. They are basically just little little potato sticks. Uh, very crunchy. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. The this is one packaging that has not changed in the last. <laughs> 40 years, I would say. Uh, Isn't the picture of the packaging just a zoomed-in photo of a lot of hickory sticks? Yep. And it says hickory sticks in gold over it or something? Yeah, good job. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a brown <laughs> It's 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 a brown bag, and it's got that really harsh yellow uh, text on top of it that is so iconic. Like, as soon as you see it, you're like, oh, yeah, I know. I know what this yeah. is. Uh, made by Hostess Hickory Sticks, a classic one. My dad... Loved hickory sticks, and I think he had them as kids, so it is quite an old brand. And basically, the best way to describe it is they look like tiny little french fries. Yeah. And uh, and they're just really hard, and you just eat them, and you just take a little bundle of them. They're very salty, and they're delicious. And they have a bit of a smoky flavor to them, too, which I always liked. Uh, I just always got the original. You can get salt and vinegar, too. I think it is mostly a Canadian thing, though, for the most part. I don't think it is a big American thing, so... I remember people having them at school or like at like like at parties or whatever, a bowl of hickory sticks. I always just stuck with chips or munchies, of course. That was what I would uh, usually usually go with. Was that one of your uh, your favorites uh, nostalgic snacks as a kid? Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that was that was okay. uh, if I had to rank them, hickory sticks would probably be really high up there because they do still exist, though. So I can still yeah. have them. So you see, the brilliant thing about hickory sticks is that like you can't break them any more than because they're, al- yeah. they're already so tiny and mm-hmm. fragmented that like like with chips and stuff, you have to worry about all the air in the bag with hickory sticks. They're already basically debris so like (laughs) they are debris that's a great way to describe it (laughs) there's no way you could destroy these any more than they already are uh the next snack on my list here is uh one that i used to have all the time as a kid and that it probably felt like the most adult kind of snack that i was eating 
um, was the Nutrigrain bar. Ah, uh, yes. Kellogg's Nutrigrain bar, basically a, uh, I don't know what to describe it, basically like a dough or like a like a pie, I don't know what to call it, a shell with <laughs> fruit jam in the middle of it. And we always had the mixed berry one as a kid or strawberry flavored one. They make a lot of different flavors. There's blueberry, raspberry, strawberry, apple, uh, mixed berry, like I mentioned before, and others. But I uh, used to pack those all the time at school. My dad eats, eats Nutrigrain bars every day. He'll go through a box of those in like a week, no problem. Uh, Nutrigrain bars, I've always been in my family's cupboard. Uh, we have some here at home. They're just the perfect thing to throw into a backpack if you're going on hikes. Uh, perfect thing to take with you. Um, feels like you're eating something healthy, but I don't think that they really are. But yeah, Nutrigrain bars are delicious. I'll eat any one of them. And I remember eating them as a kid. And they're one of the things that I will still eat today in a pinch. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Nutrigrain bars, uh, what, yeah, I, I still have a couple rolling around here i do have a lot of uh bars that are similar to nutrigrain bars that i get at a uh at, at trader joe's down in the states i really like them it's uh these uh breakfast bars uh and they're delicious they have blueberry they have apple strawberry and my favorite pumpkin in the Ooh. fall season yeah very good mm, very good fancy yeah i know right <laughs> <laughs> and uh whenever i go down the states i always try and get some at trader joe's love those love just like the idea of nutrigrain bars in general they, they they also kind of fill you up too they're just a good snack Especially when you get tired of eating granola bars all the time, it's nice yeah. to, to mix it up with uh, Nutrigrain bars. I also like them because like you couldn't. It was one of those snacks that like you can't share a Nutrigrain bar with somebody. Like no one's like maybe kids did ask me for a bite of my Nutrigrain bar, but it's not like when you have Gushers or if you have Ritz mini sandwiches, not a shareable snack. So if you're feeling introverted, Nutrigrain bar is the perfect snack on the schoolyard. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I do have one last snack here, uh, and for me, it's not necessarily. Uh, a snack, but uh, it's a gum. And we did talk about gum a little earlier on. And it's Hubba Bubba gum, Neil. Oh, my God. Yes. And that is just so nostalgic for me is Hubba Bubba gum. I used to only get this when I would go to the grocery store with my mom. And we would be in line to pay for uh, for everything. And on the right side of the aisle, of course, is all the gum and random stuff and National Enquirer, you know, all the stuff that people are buying uh, at the at the checkout. And I would always like pick up all the Hubba Bubba gums and I would smell them all because the, the scent of Hubba mm. Bubba is so yeah. strong. And I would pick which one I wanted. And my mom would usually be just like, no, we're not buying this crap. But sometimes <laughs> she would give in and I'd have some Hubba Bubba. And that is some thick gum, man. And that that the flavor doesn't last, but the gum lasts. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big piece too. I remember thinking yes. like like double bubble and juicy fruit and you know Trident and XL and all that stuff. It was a manageable piece of gum. Um, Hubba Bubba was probably four times the size. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, though, yeah. Yeah, it was dense. It was dense. And like getting it started, it was like the size of like maybe two starbursts, I guess. Uh, I used to love the um, I think it was strawberry watermelon was the flavor. That was always my favorite one. They made maybe four or five different flavors. I think eventually Hubba Bubba might have had like a Gushers kind of thing where they had like the gel in the middle of it, which didn't do anything. It just like added more sugar to the gum. Like they found a way to pack more sugar into the gum. <laughs> I think it was Hubba Bubba that did that, but I always loved the, it, it might've been just, just straight up strawberry, but that was always the one for me to smell. Um, did you have a favorite flavor of uh, Hubba Bubba gum? It was strawberry, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there, there's, there's so many different ones. I like smelling the grape one. I remember. Mm, I remember okay. smelling the grape one and the bl- and blue. <laughs> Just blue. <laughs> yes, that's the color. <laughs> I mean, it is funny to look back at like a lot of these snacks and, and things and how it was okay for marketing executives to be like, let's just call flavors colors. Like mm-hmm. even Pepsi Blue. 
Like, you remember yep. that? Like, when they mm-hmm. were just like, yeah, you know what? Let's just, let's not beat around the bush anymore. Let's not pretend that we're doing something healthy. No, no, we're just, it's Pepsi Blue. It's Pepsi, just sugar and artificial crap. Mountain Dew Cold Red. I remember that. Or Code yes. Red. I remember that one. Oh, my God. Yeah. All the different Mountain Dew colors. Whoa. Yep. That unlocked a memory for me. There we go. There was straight up that drink, Mellow Yellow. Do you remember that one? Of course. I love Mellow Yellow. Yeah. I don't know what the hell that was because I didn't drink pop, but just, yeah, color. We, we They gave up for a minute on trying to make... That was right before... That was probably peak when it was like the max unhealthy that we probably got. <laughs> and then all of a sudden had to scale back and everything had to be related to uh, a, a, an actual fruit or vegetable, unfortunately. Yeah. So someone in mar- on marketing teams ruined food for everybody at that point. <laughs> but no, I remember Hubba Bubba as well. I loved it. I used to remember, just speaking of gum, getting a bucket of double bubble gum and oh, it took yes. you like a year to finish it. I don't know if they still sell gum like that or double bubble. My brother and I would just work on that all year basically. And we'd get it at Christmas. That was always the coolest thing to get. But I do have one more snack here on my list, Mike, that you mentioned at the very beginning, passively. Mm. I'm surprised that it wasn't on your list. And that was goldfish. That, that smiles back. Goldfish. Goldfish. It was more not nostalgic for me. It was more just like, I still have it. So I wasn't thinking about it, you know? Oh, Okay. I put that as my, my favorite snacks as a kid. Goldfish were the best. They like, were. you're right. That's had to leave them to the very end. Invented in 1962. So uh, they just turned 60, which is crazy. I just like the regular classic goldfish. Uh, don't need to get cute with the flavors. They eventually, I remember having extreme, what was it? Uh, Cheddar Blast or something where they basically oh, yeah. dusted it. Again, got to pump more fake cheese into those kids. <laughs> they put like this craft, uh, it was like the craft like, dinner powder on it basically. And it didn't make the, the goldfish taste any better, honestly. Uh, it just made them hurt your tongue a little bit more. Um, but I remember goldfish being sold in boxes when we were kids. And it was like in the foil bag. And then now they're sold in basically paper bags. And I associate goldfish very much with your family because every time we went over, we always had goldfish. I remember going up to your family cottage when we were kids. And I think your dad bought like five packages of goldfish. Uh, Um, It was a lot of goldfish. I was like, damn, is this all we're eating this week? Um, But yeah, I I love them. Uh, Packing them for school was always fun. Tossing them like that. They were the perfect snack to do like a mouth toss kind of thing where you try and throw them into somebody's mouth or throw them up into your own mouth. They were, they were the snack for it, honestly. Um, yeah, loved crushing them up and, and eating them like soup or something. And just, I, I don't know how to describe it, but they were, they were awesome. Goldfish are great. They haven't changed much. They're probably one of the, the few snacks that have changed the least, uh, since we were kids, they still taste the yeah. same. The packaging still looks pretty similar. Uh, they're made by Pepperidge farm. Uh, one of the few products that I can think of by Pepperidge farm always have goldfish in the house so yeah need to give a shout out to my last most nostalgic snack of the day which is the goldfish absolutely and yeah that's uh that's it for me and for for great snacks i love i do have a couple of honorable honorable mentions like ring pops uh, uh pizza pockets uh bagel bites i love bagel bites bagel bites aren't in canada anymore also neil that's a that's mm. a big big that's sad true. And one thing that I I don't necessarily, it's not a snack, but just one thing that I think of when I think of food and the 90s slash 2000s is Heinz colored ketchups. Going back to our conversation about just making things, (laughs) flavors, colors. Yeah. uh, yeah. Heinz for a second there, if uh, for anyone who doesn't know, they had this little campaign in the early 2000s uh, when, you know, companies were taking risks, just like Nintendo and the GameCube. Mm -hmm. And, uh, And they decided to make green and purple ketchup. I remember and that. It was a pretty big media thing. I think, honestly, they were really just trying to drum up the support of just like Heinz ketchup in general. And it, it was very controversial. It, it caused kind of a big, big scene. People uh, were like angry at it. People thought it was cool. People thought it was funny. People thought it was gross. 
a lot of conversations about it. Whoever did the marketing for that, bravo, amazing, amazing job because I'm still talking about it 20 years later. That was one of those other things too that I remember being in the news, like yes. purple purple ketchup. And I know a lot of people still stuck with the red, the classic red, because it's just there's something psychologically weird about eating purple food, like a purple dip. We're just not used to it. So it didn't stick around obviously for too long, but that was the last Heinz related um, marketing push that I remember up until like 2020 when they finally got uh, Dijon ketchup like the Heinz Dijon ketchup based on the Bare Naked yeah. Ladies song. And they, they had the tie-in uh, with, uh, with the Bare Naked, with Stephen, only Stephen Page, not the rest of the band. Um, but he had the ad and, you know, it was like the Dijon ketchups. And that was really cool. That Between, there's not really much you can do with ketchup, I guess. But every 20 years or so, Heinz thinks of something. The colored ones was funny. Not a snack, but uh, a condiment. And I, I appreciate that. Uh, for me, honorable mentions, need to give a shout out to Tostitos. The nachos with their salsa. Always ate nachos when I was a kid. Uh, just a difficult thing to bring to school. So uh, that was their only downfall, unfortunately, with uh, with nachos. Um, in terms of chips, I really used to like sour cream and onion chips, which I remember being uh, the unpopular opinion, everybody liked just plain or salt and vinegar or barbecue or in Canada, ketchup flavored chips, mm-hmm. um, sour cream and onion. I always really liked that flavor. Uh, cashews need to give a shout out to just yes. the, just the regular roasted oven roasted cashew. My dad was a huge fan of cashews. So we always had with the munchies, a bowl of cashews. Um, they're delicious. I think they're technically, a, are they a legume? I forget. Yes, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I mean, they'll kill people with a nut allergy, but still, uh, they're delicious. I love cashews so much. I could, I could finish off a bag of cashews in a weekend. And then last but not least, need to give a shout out to pudding cups, snack packs, which mm-hmm. the best product placement in Billy Madison, where he just yells, where's my snack pack? Uh, you just see like the, like the morning, it's the outside of the house, everything's peaceful. And he's just yelling about not having a snack pack in his lunch bag. Um, love I love, I, I used to love pudding, um, and chocolate snack packs were, were legit, um, it was always the worst when you'd have one at school and then you realized your mom didn't pack you a spoon. Mom, come on. <laughs> and you'd have to like eat it. Like there's, you'd see a kid eating his snack pack, like with his, with his, his finger tongue. or his, yeah, just, yeah, just going all into it with his face. Um, yeah, that was always the best. So I need to give a shout out to the pudding cup, but that was a lot of fun talking about snacks today, Mike. Those mm-hmm. are all of my honorable mentions. And we talked a few about a few snacks that suck. Uh, the only one that I could think of other than pretzels are Chex Mix. I don't know if you remember this, but it was yeah. Chex, peanuts, pretzels, and bagel chips. Just a weird combination. I hated it. I used to hate that. It wasn't bits and bites, so I couldn't get down with Chex Mix. But anyway, Mike, that's all we have today for snack recommendations that we have from our childhood. If anybody out there uh, heard us talk about any snacks that you don't know about in our country, let us know. Uh, let us know about the snacks that you have in, in uh, when you were a kid. We love Mike and I love hearing about food and what you have. Uh, what you had on the schoolyard when you were kids. But with that, Mike, we don't have any back of the case to read. Uh, we don't have a thousand and one video games you must read before you die today. So with that, why don't you let listeners know what they can expect next week on episode 41 of the Unlocking What Was Cool podcast. Episode 41, Neil, is Chicken Run, the classic 2000 movie that is getting a sequel in a matter of days, actually, coming to Netflix, I believe. Uh, I am excited for it, and I'm excited to talk about some Chicken Run. I recently watched the movie, probably for the first time in like 15 years, and man, this is such a great movie. I can't wait to talk about it with you. (laughs) I'm so excited to talk about Chicken Run. This is one of my favorite movies as a kid. Uh, Stop motion, uh, claymated, the Wallace and Gromit guys. 
I remember watching it when I was really young when it came out in 2000. I think I saw it in theaters. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Same as me. I don't think I've seen this movie in close to 20 years up until this week. So it's going to be a great time talking about it with you and maybe a few friends. Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. But until then, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to episode 40 of the Unlocking What Was Cool podcast. New show every Thursday on all the major podcast services. Leave us a rating and a review so we can make the show better. And if you're a Spotify listener, please keep writing in with the new Q&A feature. Thank you so much to everyone who supported our show on Patreon this year. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and join the weekly conversation on our Discord channel. Share us with your friends and family. Tell the Pringle Man... Neil says hi. Thank you so much for the support, and we will see you next week. See you later. Bye-bye. The Unlocking What Was Cool podcast is a recorded and produced show from Toronto, Canada. Our podcast is fan-funded by our listeners on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash unlocking what was cool. The show is produced, hosted, and edited by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. Additional voices provided by Victor Young. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $5 level. AJ Olson 11, Bogus Lotus, Cube Dude, Dean Donian, Joey Sirico, Marty Thompson, Sparks Fly 027, and Way Overrated. You mentioned pizza pops there as a snack. Were those not supposed to be a meal? Pizza pockets? I mean, yeah. Like yeah. the big ones? Like the, oh, no, I'm like... not talking about like the big ones. I'm talking about the small ones. Oh, I never had those. I always had like the oh. crescent moon ones that were like 300 calories a piece. I thought you were down in those as like a snack. I mean, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Remember the pop your hunger ads? Oh, man. I God, I miss commercials.